Hey, I'm Will Lavise. It's Eric Claville. Tune into Lavise and Claville, where we give it to you straight the way it is from a black male's perspective, because it's like that, and that's the way it is. So let's get right to it. And this show is Juneteenth, National Juneteenth holiday. Juneteenth, Juneteenth, Juneteenth. So is this another case of payment that came through late, but the amount is actually short? Or is the National Juneteenth holiday finally acknowledgement of America's original sin? So President Joe Biden recently established Juneteenth as a national holiday. So this is the first year that it's actually been celebrated, even though Juneteenth is something that has been around for several generations. Many African-Americans, including myself, have known about it and have engaged in it, you know, over the years. So one of the big uh, questions, Claville, and I know you got the historic background on it, is why has it taken so long? And what is this about at this point? Yeah. Well, we all like like everything involving African-Americans, <laughs> the, it takes a while for us to get recognition. Uh, this is this is no different. First of all, I, I want to say that recognizing Juneteenth as a federal holiday is a major milestone. Mm-hmm. I don't want that to be, you know, overshadowed by anything that we talk about, yeah. about those that give constructive criticism, those that don't think it's enough, those that think that it's just uh, pacifying the it, the uh, desires of African-Americans politically because of electing President Joe Biden and Vice President Harris. But this is a major milestone. With that being the case, it also shows us that our culture and our contributions to this country matter. Right. So let, right. let me get a historical background. Yeah, what's the, his, what's the history behind So what is Juneteenth? So on January 1st, 1863, mm-hmm. that's when the Emancipation Proclamation itself was made effective and signed by the Abraham, former President Abraham Lincoln, right. effectively freeing slaves in the former Confederacy. And right. You know, that word spread from city to city, state to state, town to town, plantation to plantation, and the like. At that time, there was the good news. But it wasn't until June 19th, 1865, that those who were enslaved in Texas heard the good news and were there declared free. As a matter of fact, it was Major General Gordon Granger, that read the General Order Number 3, which basically stated, in, in, in essence, that on this day, by executive order of the president, all enslaved are now free. Okay. And, now, the interesting thing about that, though, is it was the enslaved in, like you said, this, the Confederacy, so the states that rebelled against the Union. So. Right. Actually, it wasn't all uh, uh, people, black people, people of African descent were automatically free. And if you were in the Confederacy and you rebelled against the United States, you weren't in the mindset of whatever law was being passed that that mattered to you. So, for example, right there in your area where you're at right now in Norfolk, right? The slaves were not free by the Emancipation Proclamation. So that's another thing people don't realize is that 
it's not like everybody automatically was free and right. then the news didn't get out. It was, yeah. you know, there was some nuance there. Well, Will, you're exactly right. It was actually three stages. The first slaves that were declared free were actually in the District of Columbia. Mm. And then, of course, in all the uh, non-Confederate states, they were also made free. Lastly, it was those Confederate states. So that word that began to spread, spread in, of course, pockets, right? Of course, uh, backed up against that or in between that is, of course, the uh, contraband decision by General Butler that he and Abraham Lincoln developed here uh, in Hampton Roads at Old Point Comfort, uh, which is Fort Monroe, which is now a decommissioned uh, fort. You know, so it weakened a lot of the uh, slaveholding states because if you escaped and made it to the gates of Fort Monroe, Old, uh, Old Point Comfort at that time, you were de- you were declared contraband of war and you were free, right? So at that time period, it was a very, very interesting time period, Will. I could not imagine, I could not imagine living during that time period and, and understanding the emotions that were going through people's minds and their hearts and so on. Think about it. All your life, you were fighting. Right, <laughs> generations, generations, generations of families being enslaved. Because we're yes. talking about, you know, you're talking about this is an action that happened in the 1800s. Slavery is something that began this late six, 1600s. Absolutely. So you're talking about, you know, easily <laughs> 200 plus, you know, yeah. there, there, there's generations, there's people whose families did not know anything other than yeah. being enslaved. And keep in mind, the importation of slaves mm. was sunset in the Constitution. Mm. But the abolition of slavery was not. Right. All right, so that's very important. So now you have a country built on the principles of slavery. Right, slave labor. I mean, as we talked about in the earlier Free show. Labor. Free labor. You know, when I was on, you know, I spent some time down in Charleston and the city of Charleston, South Carolina, was built for the purpose of receiving, holding, selling of slaves. You, you're talking about easily 80%, 90% of people of African descent. Came through South Carolina. Came through yep. that port. And if you go to the city now and you look at the architecture, you see the barcoons, you see where... Uh, folks were held in dungeons. You see all of the results of it, all of the evidence of it is right there, including in churches. Yeah. So you, I mean, you had the entire society that was, like you said, built. The, its foundation was on the enslavement of, you know, of God's people and the riches and the wealth that uh, came out of that free labor. If, you, if you're in business now and you think about having all of your employees <laughs> work right, <for> free, <laughs> work totally for free, sun up, sun down, producing at maximum capacity for free. You don't have to and pay them anything. And, and it's right for generations. For generations. So this is this is what we're talking about the acknowledgement of it. And so now it's, but why did it take so long to establish such a holiday? And what is the 
value of it. Because like I said before, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, in the Northeast. Mm-hmm. Depending on what part of the country you grew up in, you know, you know certain things about Juneteenth or you don't. Because as you said, this is something about what happened with people learning in Texas. But up in the north, you know, we had some knowledge of it and some understanding of it uh, and what it means. So it's not like it's foreign to us, but you go to certain places in the country uh-huh. and people had no clue about this. It's not something that's taught in the schools. It had been taught in the schools. And, uh, and a lot of it is because of not really wanting to acknowledge and be honest about slavery and how this country was built on that. So now we come all these years later, we came through Obama's presidency, two terms of Obama, and there was no passage of this. Why now? I mean, what, what what's your take on, I know what I think about it. I mean, what's your take <laughs> on, on why, why now? And, and, and particularly in this particular moment with this particular president and what's going on in the country now. Yeah, well, I, before I answer that question, I want to get some historical context with Juneteenth uh, and celebrating it. So we talk about history. On January 31st, December on December 31st of 1862, uh, Africans and uh, African-Americans were, at that time, black slaves, were waiting in churches, waiting up, uh, watching for 12 a.m. or midnight to strike for January 1st. So that's where we get the culture, uh, the cultural phenomenon of watch night service. We, you know, that's where, and then of course, the celebration, the singing, the dancing, see the new year in. That okay. actually started, you know, where people were watching and waiting for that time period to hit. Now, what happened in Texas, when that word came, they started singing, they started dancing, they started praying, praising God, because like you said, Generations have been working for free. Now, I, now, yes. free. generations. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, well, I, I can't fathom it. Just think about being in a hole all your life, and all of a sudden, you lifted out that hole. You're looking around like this is what it's like, you know. So there was a lot of celebration. So that celebration went on every year after that in Texas. It spread across the Confederate states and black communities that went to either, you know, the first uh, Great Migration North, of course, to, you know, uh, Northern states, and then, of course, Second Migration, where you go now to the Chicago, Illinois area, Detroit, okay. California, and so forth. They took that celebration with them. I grew up in Louisiana. We had Juneteenth Festival. As a matter of fact, I had somebody post, you know, a paper, uh, newspaper clip, of course, in a Black newspaper where they were Juneteenth queen, right? So we had that in, in that memory of it. And you think about it. Now, as kids, well, you go through things and your parents put you in pageants, debutantes, uh, uh, cotillions, botillions, the whole nine. But you really don't understand the significance behind it until you get older and you look back and say, wow, I was a part of that. Mm-hmm. So move forward. You know, that's the great thing about, you know, our traditions. And hats off to Texas that actually made it, uh, recognized it in 1980 in in the legislature. So, um, and then there, of course, the push for a federal holiday came out of uh, a a citizen out of Texas pushing, and she was there for the signing with President Biden. So let's get to the signing by President Biden. Well, African-Americans, since really 
fighting and siding with the Democratic Party, have been waiting for a major victory post the LBJ civil rights legislation. Right. The civil rights legislation that came out of LBJ's term was monumental. Actually, it was a copy and paste of the Civil War and Reconstruction civil rights legislation. Okay. The only difference is it was provided enforcement of the federal government for those that did not adhere to it. Since that time period, African-Americans have struggled to get their piece of the pie, if I political piece of the pie. And I think that's a great way to frame it, the political piece of the pie. Um, we've put many presidents in office, even uh, under President Barack Obama, and both you, I have, both you and I and several others that uh, are more notable have had uh, constructive criticisms of the, poli- the lack of policies that did not go far enough specifically for African-Americans. But why now? And why? You mentioned Obama. So why didn't this happen under Obama? Yeah. Why And like, why now? Why, what, what is it about now? So, Will, yeah. think about it. So under Joe, President Joe Biden, right, we've been asking for a lot of things. Just the promises that were made politically, mm-hmm. political promises to come to fruition. One major issue that affects African-Americans more so uh, than our white counterparts or other citizens is student loan debt forgiveness. Yes, and again, yeah. there are more white Americans that have student loan debt. Okay, if you look at the number, the sheer number and the value is much higher because there are more white Americans in the country. Right. 240, 210, 210, 240 million white Americans or those that consider themselves white. There's only 40 million people that consider themselves black, right, in the country. Right. So white Americans have more opportunity to go to college, they have more opportunity and so forth. But the burden on African-Americans to go to college is greater because of the lack of resources. Right. You got the lack of wealth. A lot of African-Americans are first generation going to college. So the margin of error is slimmer. And you're looking at where does the resources come in order to pay for college and then pay off a loan. You don't have the wealth. You don't have the resources to tap into. And one of my issues has been you know, in the last housing bubble and how much wealth in the African-American community has been zapped because of how much wealth was tied up in people's homes. So again, we're looking at African-American wealth being zapped in the last housing bubble. We're looking at student loan debt being huge. We're looking at we're in the midst of this pandemic, uh, still uh, suffering again with when America catches a cold, Black America catches a flu, now Black America catches COVID-19, right? So we have coming on the heels of the heightened awareness of the severe injustice that has long been the story of being Black in this country when we see the murder of George Floyd. And so now we see all of a sudden this Juneteenth Bill being passed. And so that's what a lot of uh, folks in the community can't close their eyes to the timing of this and what is really going on and how much other issues in terms of legislation 
that have been out there. I mean, we've got a there's been a, a anti lynching bill that has been uh, lingering, you know, languishing Frozen out stall. there for <laughs> yeah. I don't know how many generations, right? And we have the bill that is before Congress right now mm-hmm. concerning. Well, we've had, for example, a bill we want to just pr- provide an opportunity to study the issue of reparations. Yeah. And now, most recently, we have the bill tied to the murder of George Floyd, looking at uh, police reform and a number of different things. Small. And we come with, we, we got the need for, as you said, some stimulus mm-hmm. in a package that really gets at the root causes of the disparities that's going on. And then we come with a Juneteenth holiday. Again, a holiday that no one, you, you know, we've been celebrating the holiday. It's not like this is something as you just shared <laughs> historically, depending on where you are. I mean, this is not like a major holiday within the community that needed to be raised to what? such a level. So you got it. That's why a lot of people are asking, well, what is this about? And, well, we'll, and why? Well, we'll I, I will say this. Holiday or no holiday, the grill's coming out June 10th. <laughs> listen, back home, that is a... <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's sort of the tradition around You know, that, you know what I'm saying, the MEAC conference, Bayou class, I mean, that's circle. We don't need a holiday for that. Right. That, you know, we're, we're going to get it in. But at the same time, it was needed because what it does, it now sets aside a specific day mm-hmm. where we can focus not on all the Black history, like Black History Month, but specifically on slavery. That was needed. That was needed because they get lost in the shuffle, right? Oh, you know, Frederick Douglass, Booker G. Washington, Martin Luther King, now Barack Obama. It, that's Black History Month. Right, right. right. You know, the safe, the safe individuals, the individuals that overcame so much, but we forget about the hurt and the tragedy that followed them with the greatness that they, they created. And we forget about those that heap and created right. the, the, the the tragedy for them, you know, but where the triumph ended up coming from. However, I do believe that it was needed for that reason. Now we can focus on slavery. We can focus on that time period. We can really now focus on a time period that we should not shy away from, but embrace because without slavery, there is no America, a great America as we see it. Right. That's why I say there's nothing more American than being African-American. And I'll talk talk about that more later on. But but we'll politically you mentioned every reason why. And then some this bill needs to be signed and pushed out there, because, like you said, the George Floyd bill, crime bill. You know, it's it's a shame Mm -hmm. that given what happened to George Floyd, and let me tell you, man, no person should die like that. I not mean, at all. Not at all. And then and then have their family members have to see oh, over and over how he was tortured and died and well, have to endure that. Well, I mean, I I, I had to stop watching the video. It's one yeah. I what the last time I saw it, I couldn't finish it. Um because I was watching a man being murdered. I was watching his soul, his spirit leave his earth. And somebody so cavalier just toss him on a gurney, dust his hands, and drive away. Right, right. I mean, how despicable. 
And there are now where there's an article out there in Business Insider that says some criminal justice reform advocates say that a long sentence is doing more harm than good. I don't know who those justice reform advocates are. I don't know where they were during the crack revolution. Well, well, you know, the, the thing, though, is that unless we continue to connect the dots between Juneteenth and its significance and George Floyd and its significance, then I think a lot of this could just get lost in the media barrage going back and forth, the lack of true education honest education going on in the schools. I do agree with you. You know, as I thought about this um, holiday, you know, my initial reaction was, okay, as I've been saying, why now? What was, what's, what's the angle here? But I do very much see the value of America stopping and saying, finally, in the form of a holiday. Yeah. Because that's what the point of holidays are, is to stop and remember yeah. and to plant a stake in the ground plant the flag and say, let's stop, remember what happened here. And so it does create that opportunity to finally state very emphatically that slavery did, in fact, happen. Because we definitely have movements in this country of people who want to forget, who want to rewrite history, who want to just continue a barrage of misinformation and lies to the point where we all start believing the misinformation, the lies, and creating the myths. I mean, that essentially what has been going on is just a pushing of myths about what our country has truly been. So I think that the, it's very important that, okay, America has stopped and said with this holiday that slavery did, in fact, happen. And so every year we get this opportunity to um, actually do so, a deeper dive into the issue and what happened and make the connections to what is going on now. So in fact, I think that what would be good is prior to this, as you said, it's been about the barbecue. It's been about the festival. It's been about sort of an opportunity for family, for people to come together. Culturally, but I think that actually, I think that actually it would be better if we started to reevaluate and move beyond that just move beyond just the getting together just the you know just the cooking the hog and all of that because if we don't move beyond that if we don't move beyond it's just a holiday just another day off we will absolutely run the risk of being duped into just falling for this bone that a lot of people feel like it is and getting your head rubbed and bone and saying go away when we just come out of this summer, this whole year of awareness of we have some serious, serious problems going on in this country concerning justice, concerning anti-blackness. I mean, it's real. And in fact, there's been a, an awareness of anti-blackness throughout the, throughout the globe. Yeah. So we're at risk if we ourselves don't move beyond just the barbecue, just the, you know, just the, 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 the burning up the cooking up the hog yeah. and having a good time, we're totally at risk of missing the ball. And then we ourselves as African Americans would be, you know, uh, how would we say we would be um, uh, aiding the bedding our own demise when it comes to that. So that's what my real concern is. We've gotten this bone 
right? It is very much legitimate. I very much put my tip my hat to, you know, to the, to the people who have fought for this, including my soror, Zeta Phi Beta, who you talked about, uh, who was the grandmother of um, Juneteenth. But if we don't connect the dots, as you just been talking about George Floyd and all the other injustices that have been going on, the grave disparities that we still suffer today that are tied to slavery and the legacy. Here, we talk about generations. This is like, I mean, this is like your grandmother. I mean, when Juneteenth, when people became aware of it, like you said, it's like everybody in their families prior to that had been enslaved. You're talking about their great grandparents of the children who were there. That we are. I mean, that's it's, all you, they knew. It is. It's like man, it, it, when you think about it, it, it like it explodes your mind to think about it. Yeah, we got to connect the dots and keep them connected. Well, I I agree one thousand percent with you. Um, I can't add anything to it. You know, I, I agree, and I believe just as you articulated that we should expand it. And I think conferences should come out of this. Maybe LaVisa and Claville Juneteenth Conference, you know, sponsored by LaVisa and Claville, you know, is, is, is in the making. It's in the making because I think there's a lot of value around that. To talk about the intersection of race and law, uh, to talk about the intersection of critical race theory in uh, all the policies and the practices mm-hmm. that kept us enslaved and kept, you know, of course, there are some theories out there where, of course, everybody knew about the Emancipation Proclamation, but there were some theories out there that they, the, the plantation owners got together and kept the word from getting to the Texas, you know, because where are they going to get the labor, you know, to do where it's harvest and there was a lot of money on the line. Right? Yeah, yeah. Now, if you're thinking in a righteous way, you would say, you know what, let's make them part owners or let's right. make them, you know, these are now employees, you know, where we can we can do this together. But no, you know, that's not the way that they wanted to work it. So, and we get what we have uh, coming out of that. But the other part of that, Will, is that, you know, every time you mention, you know, the celebration, I keep thinking, wow, that's all they knew, man. That's all they knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all they knew. And, you know, when they said they were praising God and praying and dancing and singing and eating and being merry, I mean, that's, I mean, that, that that I can't fathom, um, you know, what was going on in their minds, but I can only imagine uh, that the joy that they felt was some that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the joy, I mean, is absolutely you can understand it. And so like you so eloquently pointed out where that joy, that celebratory mode came from. Right. And then as it travels, the holiday, the holiday celebrate is about that joy and that celebration. But we're now in the age. What I'm saying is that we're now in the age. This is not an opportunity to say, okay, let's do some. We owe them some serious analysis about what happened in this country, what happened to them, what happened to their legacy. I mean, I think about and I know we're going to be talking about this later as we talk about um, July 4th. I I mean, I think about our ancestors often about how they found a measure of hope in thinking about what they were enduring now so that future generations would be able to experience. 
And I look at now, when I look at Juneteenth, I say, okay, it's time for us who are here now to look back at what they experienced and what kept them uh, looking up, looking to the hills for where cometh their help, the help coming from the Lord. And to not look back at them with shame and to not look back at them and just celebrating, but to look back at them and do a real analysis of their courage, of their endurance. And now what must we do to make America a greater country, you know, to to make America live up to its promise? And so we just continue, you know, with celebrating because that's what they did. We're taking it all out of context. Like you said, they celebrate, man, because that's all they knew. And they were thanking God, you know. (laughs) Now what we celebrating because it just it's a holiday, it's a day off to celebrate. That would be a that would be totally just, you know, disrespectful. As a matter of fact, it'll be time to educate. Um, Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, we'll share on a social media platform a conversation and educational piece that I did uh, for the city, the city of Newport News here, in talking about Juneteenth. In addition to that, uh, I've had phone calls from others and organizations wanting to learn more about Juneteenth, and I, and I think that's the start. So I think this is an opportunity for us, uh, Will, uh, to get out there and use those Ds on the end of our name uh, to go out, go out and educate uh, the public and, like you said, create a greater America so that it can live up to its creed, in the words of the late, great uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. But, but let's not let this be just a moment where the signing happens and, and like you said, more reveling. And appreci- but we need to appreciate them, our ancestors, for their struggle and mm-hmm. honor them by moving the needle forward, yes. uh, ensuring That's that our, our politicians, our government live up to the policies, live up to the promises on the political uh, uh, stump speeches, and ensure that those policies are equitable across the board. So we want to thank you for joining us for this segment of La Vie Coville. As we talked about Juneteenth, the meaning of it, and where do we go from here? If you like what you see, continue to support us. Uh, Go to our Facebook page and our social media. Follow, like, share, and let us know how we're doing. Give us a comment. And to us, that's the way we see it, and that's the way it is. Be well. See you next time.